got a lot to talk about this week oh wow yeah there's so much just didn't stop (laughs) did it basically as soon as we hung up the phone last uh after the last show like the the, uh, news just came thick and fast for two entire weeks yeah (laughs) yep so and still no air power (laughs) perhaps the biggest news of all (laughs) i i would have bet quite a bit of money we were going to see it by now oh me too absolutely i was thinking even even the day after the keynote i was thinking i'm going to wake up and air power is going to be announced like they're going to continue the the, like the week before they did three days of announcements in a row Uh and i mean of course it naturally ends with the keynote but something in my mind said "Mm, actually maybe they'll do three days this week as well and we'll see air power and then an update to something i'm not sure what it would be maybe the mac well yeah we get to see that rumored ipod touch as well that's right oh that's the other one yeah the ipod touch that never came out <laughs> which um was it mac rumors so confidently reported was coming out on the friday <laughs> yeah no the thursday Man, at this point it feels like it's a joke yeah so they just keep leaking it's gonna come out it's gonna come out and then even the air power i uh, sorry the the new airpods the box has air power mentioned in print on it and an image of air power yeah, um, the wireless charging case, uh, just the separate accessory by itself, has the image on it. That's right, but yeah. But the, the AirPods have the mention of AirPower, yeah. Maybe AirPower just becomes a symbol for wireless charging in general and no product ends up existing. <laughs> so it's just like the glyph that they use from here on out. Yeah, you'd think that, except the new 12.2 has the AirPower animations brought back, finally. Right. <laughs> so... How do you think they're going to announce it when it finally comes out? Do you think it's going to be, uh, it suddenly appears on shelves, uh, press release, or uh, what would the third option be? The third option would be, yeah, waiting waiting for like WWDC, I guess. Right, right. Uh, or its no very that... own keynote in May. <laughs> I mean, it's just not that impressive. It doesn't deserve that much of an announcement. Well, not uh, anymore. I mean, it's already had its keynote time. Yeah, yeah, it got its mention a year and a half ago, and I mean, the only thing I could think of is there's been like rumors that there's some new features that they're adding on, and they might need some time to explain that, like outside of a press release. But I could, I really, I could really see Apple just like silently launching it, and like we never get an explanation about what took so long or what's going on. I was listening to another podcast the other day, and I came to realize that it's not actually that late because. In 2017, they said coming next year, right? And then that was 2018. So is it really only like January, February, March? That's three months late. Initially, they said coming early next year. And their website said early 2018 on it. And then early 2018 passed. And the expected arrival date, they switched it from early 2018 to just 2018. And then they just never said anything else. They never changed anything except to remove it from their website entirely. Okay, so early 18 says first three months, so I'm going to add nine months, so we're looking at a year (laughs) late at this point. Yeah, from the initial keynote, yeah, we're a year out from when they said they would have it ready. In other big news, Microsoft has banned April Fool's jokes this year. Really? (laughs) Yeah. A member went out to all the departments saying, uh, no public-facing April Fool's Day jokes this year, sorry guys. Interesting. This comes a year after they 
released like uh, clippy um, emotes or whatever into their Teams app, <laughs> which I didn't see. I wasn't using Teams at the time, but uh, that seemed pretty decent, like a pretty good joke. But then yeah, uh, that's good one. pretty promptly got removed from the app a few days later. <laughs> yeah, that's like one of my favorite parts of this time of year is seeing what all the big companies do is an April Fool's joke. Uh, Reddit usually always has some good ones. Uh, and they're usually like less jokes and more like community building experiments. Um, I remember Orange Red versus Periwinkle. Were you around for that? Uh, it doesn't ring a bell, no. What was that? Oh, this was probably five years ago. And every Reddit user got assigned to a team. They're either Team Orange Red or Team Periwinkle, which is the up and down vote colors. And uh, that was it. You just had a team. On your on your profile, it said you are whatever this team was, and then whatever happened after that was whatever the users decided. And there was kind of a turf war going on for a while about which team was better. <laughs> right. Um. So I was Team Orange Red. <laughs> I don't remember what team I was on. So, um, and then they had some. What was one last year? It was like the you could become part of someone's group, and you could. Either you could betray them to, somehow. Yeah, you could expand your group, or if you expanded to like someone with like malicious intent, they could betray you, and then your group would be deleted. So it was like competition to see who'd get the biggest group without being betrayed. Yeah, that one never really clicked for me. Was it the year before where they had uh, that like giant patchwork of pixels which people could uh, build upon? Yeah, yeah, that Do was the year that? before. Was that April? That Fools? was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was an April Fool's thing. Yeah, all the little subreddits, one of the big ones were like writing the name of their subreddit or drawing pictures and little turf wars for, for pixel space. That was amazing. They, they kept it going a little bit too long because initially it was just users like competing to try to get their pixels in. But I think it was like ran for like a week. And by the end of the week, all the major subs had their own bots that were like continuously spamming their pixels in. So no one could really change the grid anymore. Of course, Reddit had to ruin it, didn't they? I mean, the users, <laughs> the Redditors. <laughs> yeah. Someone had to ruin it. So, But yeah, I really like their social experiment approach to April Fool's, and I'm, I hope they do something this year again. I mean, it's far better than what other companies do, which is often low-effort stunt to gain a little, bit, a little bit of publicity. Do you have anything specific in mind, or you just mean in general? Uh, in general. I mean, every year there's... There's a, a handful of companies that do something and you just kind of groan at it and wonder, <laughs> what in what spirit are they doing this? <laughs> Google usually I mean, has some pretty good ones. Right, right. And also some pretty bad ones. Didn't they um, like mute people's emails for, uh, for a little bit or put some minions in them? Something dumb oh, like that. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot about that. There was a, a big thing a few years ago where they were like, yeah, putting some kind of like minion memes in people's emails i don't even remember the context right, of that right. <laughs> and like it was I like the mark with that it like, really messed up the context of people's emails for a while yeah hmm and i think they toned it down since then they haven't done anything quite as big since that big fiasco <laughs> right ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now the fun police at microsoft have said <laughs> just don't do anything it kind of suits microsoft's image at the moment it's just like this serious very serious, mostly business-facing products. Man, hasn't that always been Microsoft's image? 
<laughs> yeah, I guess you'd say that. <laughs> so, they have the Mac and PC ads of the day were the same thing. Uh, my own, uh, actually, I did an April Fool's Day joke um, in 2017. It was actually, I um, okay. invited everyone around to my house for a, for an engagement party, and then I just pulled out a, a wedding <laughs> on the day. So, that was April Fool's 2017. Wait, you actually... Got married? What? Yeah. <laughs> I only let a few people in on the on the secret. Oh, of course, you have to have a few people to help organize things, but yeah, no one else wow. is expecting it. And then I uh, got married. So I take it it was kind of a smaller wedding then, or how did you manage to get that many people together? Uh, probably around 70 to 80 people. And I had a decent-sized backyard at the time, so wow, um, yeah, everyone fit pretty comfortably. Just to, <laughs> that's yeah, that's celebrate. pretty fun. Was it was it common knowledge that uh, you were engaged at least, or was it a surprise to everyone that you guys were getting married at all? It uh, a lot of people said they were kind of expecting something like that. I mean, we'd been engaged probably not much longer than a month at that point. Oh wow, that's pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if everyone else ever knew at the time that my wife was pregnant. That could have been a pretty strong indicator. I can't oh, remember yeah. if that was common knowledge. <laughs> it, it very well might have been sure and um yeah so yeah it wasn't a surprise for a lot of people but then also some people really close to me like uh one of my sisters just was completely blindsided she had no idea <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's a a good way to make like a more casual atmosphere for a wedding too right yeah and that's exactly what i wanted and didn't want to spend like twenty thousand dollars on something formal sit down in yeah. a three-course meal so um, yeah, that's crazy. We actually ordered a like one of those mobile pizza ovens that comes with a couple of people, and they just put on like a hundred pizzas for the night as well. Oh, I've never even uh, seen anything like that. Oh yeah, they're like yeah. following the on with the food truck craze that seems to mm-hmm. have swept the planet. You know, every I don't know about <laughs> where you are, but basically every night, some suburb around me is put on is putting on like a regular. Um, what do you call it? like a like a food market and the streets are lined with food trucks so really yeah it's like a thing to have a truck that sells food and anyway <laughs> so what what these trucks do during the week when they're not at a market is mm-hmm. uh they just kind of are rented out to events and uh yeah so we rented one for the night nice wow well that that one ups my uh, uh april fool prank for for this year Oh, yeah? Do you want to follow on with yours? Yeah, yeah, I can. It's not going to be as, <laughs> quite as elaborate as a wedding. Um, mm-hmm. Mine is actually uh, work-related. Work uh, here in three weeks, my company is launching uh, our, just a new product at a big a keynote event in Kansas City. And I've been working on this behind the scenes for the last six months or so. And, uh, actually it was just yesterday. I, uh, I added the Konami code into the product. So, so now if, whenever you're using our software, if you, if you, uh, enter the Konami code on your keyboard, uh, it just triggers a bunch of confetti all over your screen. (laughs) (laughs) Could you just quickly explain what Konami code is? Uh, sure. I'm not a hundred percent familiar with the origin of it. Uh, but basically when Konami was developing games, and I don't know which specific one this was, for the original Nintendo, 
they added a secret code in for development. It was uh, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Well, that's, when, that's when they, incredibly familiar. Right, yeah. When they I put that in. by name. Uh, enabled whatever, some, some basically cheat codes. It was the earliest cheat code uh, for development testing. And they either deliberately or accidentally left it in the final product of the game and, you know, users found it. And that was kind of the birth of cheat codes, I guess. Uh, and ever since then, yeah, it's the most common cheat code pattern. So I put that into our, our software product. Some of our other ones in the past have had it as well, but I implemented it for our new one that's getting launched here in a couple of weeks. Oh, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Is it like a really serious sort of software package as well? And then you've got this confetti coming in? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's fairly serious. Uh, we write software for like uh, local governments. So it's government software. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, James. Did you want to start doing this chronologically? We could start at, um, say, Monday last week and then push through to Monday this week. That's exactly what I was thinking. Perfect. <laughs> we'll also be going from most interesting to least interesting, <laughs> Ooh, potentially. Early burn. <laughs> <laughs> what did we start with? Was it um, in your iPads on the Monday? Yep, it was the new iPads. All right, so we had a new iPad mini and a new iPad Air. Both, yeah. um, I mean, when they were first announced and I was reading about them, I my first response was oh no now the ipad lineup it's like it's so confusing because we've got <laughs> ipad pros and ipad airs and minis and then we've got ipads without any monikers right um, but then maybe six hours later after i'd finished reading all the blogs i didn't spend the whole morning doing that but um <laughs> i decided actually it's it's not as bad as you first think about it especially if you kind of consider the the ipad the unnamed ipad kind of like uh like not really part of the team it's like an education device or just a a low budget device it's not really part of the lineup i don't know if you can really do that but (laughs) but i'm doing that (laughs) and so it does make sense to have ipad pro and ipad air they're your main ipads at uh, a little spectrum of sizes from like decent size i mean we should talk more about the sizes and then the ipad mini for people who are ipad mini fans so, I think at the end result is that uh, the lineup is looking quite healthy. Yeah, I went through the exact same thought process as you. Initially, I'm like, why are they bringing back the iPad Air name? I think that's last time we've seen an iPad Air was 2014. Uh, but when you when you put it next to the MacBook lineup, it makes a lot of sense, or as much sense as it can be made, given the state of the MacBook lineup. Uh, but you have iPad and MacBook which is entry-level, uh, kind of low-performance, or the lowest end of performance devices. And then Air is taken on kind of a new meaning. It doesn't mean the thinnest and lightest anymore. It kind of means a device that bridges the gap between entry-level and pro. Uh, so MacBook Air and iPad Air both are kind of in this middle ground between the entry-level and pro, where they have most of the pro features, but with some compromises. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the Pro lineup with all the features they can throw in. Uh, Mini is kind of its own category here compared to MacBooks, uh, but I think it's just there to fulfill a niche. There's always been people clamoring for a new iPad Mini for years, so that makes sense. Um, but overall, I was I was uh, 
very happy with with the iPad updates. I'm happy to see they both got Apple Pencil support and happy to see they both got A12 processors and they didn't do something like put an A10 in them. Um, my only complaint would be that the iPad Air 3 compared to the 10.5-inch iPad Pro, there's a weird value offer going on there where the 10.5-inch iPad Pro has a few features the iPad Air doesn't like surround sound speakers. Um, and then giving the Air the Pro smart connector is weird. Honestly, if they would have just kept the iPad Pro form factor with the surround sound speakers and called it the Air, I'd have been a little happier than them going back to the old stereo. Uh, but other than that, I think the prices are fair and the updates are solid. So I think the iPad yeah, lineup is looking really healthy right now. So I forgot to look this up. Are they still selling the the ten and a half inch iPad Pro, like the the one with the Touch ID, as well as the iPad Air, which is also the same size? No, the iPad Pro isn't being sold anymore. Uh, I was when I say value offer, I was conf- comparing like you can get a used ten point five inch iPad Pro for the same or less than you can get an iPad Air three, and in some ways it's better. So it's hard to justify going for the iPad Air three when you can get a, an older iPad Pro with arguably okay. gotcha. some better features. Uh, back to your comparison, I would have said that the um, the MacBook would be more comparable to the um, iPad Mini in, rather than the like the the, the nine inch iPad because it's kind of a um, like a pre more of a I guess you'd say it's a, it's a premium small device. Uh, admittedly, the the MacBook is quite slow, <laughs> but it is <laughs> right. um, it was like the pinnacle of engineering type of thing when it came out. Yeah, and the iPad Mini still has the the highest pixel density i think of any that's right any iPad it is for sure just the like the regular ipad size shrunk down pixel for pixel right yeah yeah so it's got some pretty uh dense ppi it is also yeah it's nice to see the ipad mini came comes with the a12 as well uh, because if they're going to stick to the current release cycle then it's going to have the a12 for quite a few <laughs> years to come and the A12 is a really solid processor. Like that'll last you an extremely long time. Yeah, it's an absolute beast. So, and, yeah. I was a little disappointed. My mom is a huge fan of the iPad Mini. Uh, she will not even consider a slightly larger size. iPad Mini is the biggest she will go. And she had the iPad Mini 2 for years, uh, I think from when it came out until just this February. And she's like, I need a new iPad. So she got the iPad Mini 4 <laughs> just a couple months ago. Oh no. <laughs> I know. So and now there's there's no convincing her to upgrade at this point. Uh because she's used the two for so long, the four feels like a huge update. And she's like, what's the difference? I says, Well it has Apple Pencil support and it's a little bit faster. And she's like, I don't need either of those things. <laughs> so Speaking of Apple Pencil, what do you think about the the use of the original Apple Pencil? Uh I'm torn. Uh, I would I would obviously prefer they go with the second generation just because it's so much more convenient. Uh, and I can't imagine how ridiculous it looks to plug an Apple Pencil into the iPad Mini. Uh, but at the same time, using the existing Apple Pencil allows them to use their current uh, chassis designs for the Mini and the Air. Uh, otherwise, they would have had to redesign the device, devices entirely to have flatter sides and be able to put magnets in them. Uh so in the interest of keeping cost down and reusing existing designs, I'm in favor of it. For for these two iPads specifically, I think that's fitting. 
Yeah, right. They, they had these um, manufacturing processes that they seem to do the best they can to just to reuse manufacturing processes. I mean, we've yeah. got lots of uh, like the iPhone SE still being produced, isn't it? And uh, that's using quite an old process. Yeah, so, it's very old. Yeah. Um, the iPad mini's form factor and design hasn't changed really since the original. And Nope. <laughs> not at all, really. <laughs> I mean, it's got a retina screen and the, the internals, but it would yeah. probably still fit the same case from day one to today. I think it yeah, does, Yeah, I think it might be the camera or microphones or whatever are slightly different, but... Okay. Um, but to keep the price down on these, they must be aggressively looking to, to reuse these processes. And unfortunately, that means it's not going to have a flat side and it's not going to have a... Um, a smart connector. Now, what's the Apple? What's the i the uh, the pencils connector called? Probably just the Apple pencil connector. Yeah, the, I'm not sure it's got a name. But yeah, yeah. The, so there's no way they could have stuck that onto a uh, curved design from the um, on that uh, design of the iPad. So there really wasn't a choice besides use the original Apple pencil or come up with something all new again, which isn't cheap. Isn't a cheap thing to do. Yeah, there'd be a lot more R&D involved. Exactly, yeah. But also, to kind of alleviate using the old Apple Pencil, they did open up support for the Logitech Crayon to all iPads now. Uh, so, if you're not so interested, I think the only thing that the Crayon doesn't have is pressure sensitivity, because I know it has tilt and everything else. That's right. So, if, so, you could use the Crayon, which I think is $50, which is pretty reasonable, uh, within the devices now. So, I think that's kind of a a fair compromise and that came out with a, a software update too so that was brought onto the new ipad pros wasn't it with um yeah it was. ios 12.2 <laughs> yeah i don't, yeah, I don't think that. you'd want to use a crayon on your two thousand dollar ipad pro but maybe your pockets are empty at that point and you just need the cheapest thing you can <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the huge selling points of the ipad pro for me is how convenient it is with the apple pencil that'd be a huge letdown I'm still yet to convince myself to buy one, but we'll see. Have you got the folio? Uh, The keyboard folio? No. Uh, I'm trying to keep my iPad experience as pure as possible. So that means I've just got a a single case on it, a simple case on it, uh, and no accessories. (laughs) I'm I'm in a hard place right now uh, because I sold my iPad Pro and my MacBook Pro uh, like a month or two ago. and I really, really want another portable way to get into the Apple ecosystem. And I, w- I want to do that with an iPad Pro. I'm really tempted to get an iPad Pro. But we're at the halfway point in its life cycle, and it's really hard for me to justify spending that kind of money when I know I'm going to want to upgrade again in a few months. So I'm trying I'm trying to get by without buying one for six more months so I can get the whatever comes out in November. There's always the risk that uh, there won't be something in November. I mean, there was quite a decent update last year. They could let that run for 18 months. It might be until March next year we see something. Ugh. I would hope they would at least put the A13X or whatever in them, considering they're going to have such, at least allegedly, such a big iPad-focused update to iOS this year. I would hope they'd have some brand-new hardware to go along with it sometime soon. So on that, like on the, the theme of regular release cycles, do you think do you think we'll see the iPad Mini get little spec bumps every year, or are they going to let it uh, kind of 
fade away into the background for another four years before they look at it again. I think it's going to be the latter. This felt more like a catch-up than a a rejuvenated interest in the mini lineup. If they were really passionate about the mini and wanting to bring it back in full or in force, they would have put in some more effort to redesign it and make it a whole new experience instead of just putting a new processor in it and calling it a day. So speaking of spec bumps, uh, Tuesday saw the iMac 5K get a spec bump as well. Uh, all the iMacs got spec bumps. Oh, do they do They still make non-5K iMacs? Oh, I, I guess the 21 inches of 4K, isn't it? Yeah. And the iMac Pro, yeah. And the iMac Which Pro. Is, I guess it's 5K as well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all the iMacs got spec bumps. Actually, I didn't <laughs> realize that the iPad uh, iMac Pro had a spec bump. Uh, iMac Pro update was very little. Uh, they offered a 256-gigabyte RAM option now, which... Guess guess how much it costs to get 256 gigabytes in your iMac Pro. Actually, this is, yeah, no, I think I remember this. It was about $4,000, wasn't it? It's $5,200. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it costs more than the, the base model iMac Pro to max out the RAM. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only other thing they op- added was a, a new graphics option for the Vega uh, 64X Radeon Pro card, so... All right, so they weren't really spec bumps. They were just new options available for them. Right, and they, uh, I don't have this in front of me, but they lowered the price of some of the upgrades. Like going from like 16 and 32 is like $100 cheaper now. <laughs> okay, huge savings there <laughs> uh-huh. on what was what a, like a $500 option. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so it was just the regular iMacs, the non-pros, they got uh, processor updates more or less and graphics updates. Yeah, pretty significant. Uh, the uh, the 21-inch iMac now is 60% faster, and the 27-inch is uh, almost two and a half times faster with these new 8th and 9th gen Intel processors. Again, on the theme of, of regular updates, it's been, I think it was close to two years since those iMacs saw an update. Um, so maybe Apple is getting back on the the regular update train. Now, I'm not sure if it was... Like, uh, there was a lack of Intel processors that were worth putting into these iMacs, which meant they didn't update them after, say, the first year. Um, yeah. But there were so many complaints <laughs> about the form factor of the iMacs staying the same, and I could just not uh, could not empathize with those complaints. I mean, someone was saying, no. I mean, what, what is the shell? It's like um, the form factor is about 10 years old, not, maybe 8, 9, 10 years old at this point. Um. um. Is it that old already? It feels like they just made it this thin a few years ago. But it was it's probably it was twenty longer. end of twenty eleven, I think that these that we went from like the the thick IMAX where if you put your fingers on the side of it, there's like an inch thickness to the current design where it's like half a centimeter. I'm pretty sure it was end of twenty eleven, maybe twenty twelve. All right, so I love this like, design. Yeah, it it is a classic design. It took a design which was already classic and it made it even better. Yeah, and the only and, uh, thing that they could potentially do for me would be add face ID and maybe shrink the chin down. But other than that, I'm completely happy with the way this looks. Yeah, 100%. If they got rid of the chin, reduce the bezels and stick face ID, that would be yeah, uh, yeah that would be an, an amazing update. Uh, and, and maybe that will be coming in the future. But uh, 
if not redesigning the entire chassis means that we get updates like every one or two years, then that's a, that's a trade-off I'm quite happy with. Yeah, and this was nothing to yawn at. You can get up to eight-core i9 processors now and uh, the Vega 48 graphics. That's, I mean, that's a really powerful computer. So they're very quickly closing the gap between the standard iMac and the iMac Pro and the the long-in-the-tooth Mac Pro now. Uh, but hopefully they'll be uh, gaining a bit of a lead again with the new modular Mac Pro this year. It makes you wonder on the, the non-Pro iMacs how much more they can do with it with the uh, so the current thermal output of the uh, the CPU and the graphics is probably a lot higher than they originally designed for, um, and the iMac Pro has a, a completely different um, like airflow and uh, right. thermal design inside it to to care to take care of all the heat that these chips are putting out. Um, and I mean, I don't own these computers, but from what people say, the iMac Pro is is basically whisper quiet, almost at full load. <laughs> uh, where the, whereas what I remember from iMacs is that they spin up the fan pretty quickly. Um, so I mean, they've got to get to a point where they they do have to, to think about um, kind of rejuvenating the the internals of the iMac to to take care of even hotter and hotter chips as the performance increases. Well, when you think about it, the uh, iMac and the iMac Pro share the same design. Uh, one's just a different color. So they could easily borrow the thermals from the iMac Pro and put maybe the exact same or watered-down version in their current iMacs to kind of alleviate any thermal issues they end up having. Not that Apple's ever been very good with managing thermals, but they have options. <laughs> Maybe uh, your, your little mention of watering it down actually uh, indicates something. <laughs> Are we going to see little radiators and water cooling in the, <laughs> the next iMac Pros? Apple's only uh, ever had one liquid-cooled computer. Do you know what it was? I have no idea. It was the Power Mac G5. Really? And it was wow, the, okay. So it was their quad-core version, which I use quad-core in air quotes because it was actually two dual-core CPUs inside this computer. Uh, and it was is a beast. I actually have one here in my office, and if you ever try to plug it in and spin it up, it'll heat up a whole room. It's like a space heater. <laughs> <laughs> so which components were liquid-cooled? Just the CPUs? Yeah, just the CPUs. The The GPU was not. There you go. So. I'm going to have to go and read up about that. It sounds good. <laughs> and that's why they never had the... the this is kind of a big scandal. Uh... 20 years ago, I guess. Maybe not quite. But uh, everyone wanted a G5 PowerBook. They had the G5 Mac Pro and the G5 iMac, uh, but all their PowerBooks were still on G4 chips because they could not get a G5 chip uh, to perform well uh, in terms of uh, efficiency and power consumption, and then just it was way too hot to put in a laptop. That's actually what pushed them to Intel. Um, we, we can't let the iMac topic go past without talking about the spinning hard drive, though. Ugh. <laughs> well, that says it all. I don't know how we're in 2019, and you could you could maybe, and this is... I think any company but Apple could get away with putting a hard drive in their computer if it was a 7200 RPM hard drive. And that would be just barely squeaked by. Apple has no excuse for using a 52 or 5600 RPM hard drive uh, 
in a computer in 2019. I'd go even further and say it's inexcusable to have anything except like an SSHD or fusion drive in a computer, even in a 5400 plus 32 gig of SSD space. I mean, yeah, this is, it's got to be a bare minute. That part, I know from buying just those parts, like the SSHDs, as they're called, mm-hmm. they're not expensive. They're very minor, uh, marginally more expensive than just a regular hard drive. And Apple yeah. makes these. I mean, they, <laughs> they're in their computers already. I know that the iMac I use uh, specifically for recording this show felt like an entirely new computer when I took out that old Fusion drive and put in an SSD. Um, it's so good that it's my only Mac that I use now. Uh, whereas before I wouldn't wanted to use it for anything, but just this voiceover recording. So, I mean, just besides the fact they're cheaping out, they're severely tarnishing their user experience. Like anyone who buys a base model iMac is going to come away with a bad taste in their mouth with not only uh, the Mac OS operating system, but Apple as a whole, uh, when that, when there's one component, so severely bottlenecking experience, it just makes no sense why they wouldn't want to remedy that. So there's basically one subset of iMac purchases, which purchases, which, uh, might actually go for this computer on purpose. And it's just the people who buy it like a hundred percent on price. I, I could, there are a number of, um, uh, like restaurants and cafes around me where basically the iMac is a it's like they use it as a TV it's basically a display of say their menu or their prices or something and it sits on a counter and the poor okay. the poor computer all it does all day <laughs> and all night it just show a static image so when these Ugh. people come to buying computers they mm. literally just want as cheap as possible um, and they usually want an iMac because of the looks of it. it it's a good looking computer um, as we mentioned and uh, it does fit a certain aesthetic and does go in well with um, the aesthetic which a lot of cafes around me at least are trying to go for <laughs> and sure. um, by just keeping it as a spinning hard drive if that means it's $100 cheaper then I guess it's $100 they've saved but uh I certainly don't want to come across as supporting this or, or apologizing for Apple at all. <laughs> but um, but regardless, by having that in the lineup, there are going to be people that, that go into Apple to, to buy an iMac with some some uh, a bit of naivety. Mm-hmm. And they're going to come away with this computer not realizing that it is so... It's, it's hindered so badly by a spinning disc and... For not too much more. I'm not sure. What does what the upgrade cost for a, for the next one with an SSD? Uh, full SSD or Fusion Drive? Let's go full SSD. Okay. Let me take a look here. I mean, these people must know. I mean, hopefully the genius... Uh, not the geniuses. Hopefully the Apple um, salespeople are, are pushing people towards an SSD. Um, yeah, it's less the people that walk into an Apple store I'm worried about and more the people that go to... Somewhere like Best Buy and just say, I want the cheapest iMac. All right, yeah. Yep. So they don't offer a configuration with just an SSD in the 25.5-inch iMac. Uh, but if you go in to upgrade, uh, the upgrade to a Fusion Drive 
from just the 5400 RPM drive is $100. Uh, and then mm-hmm. another $100 on top of that. So $200 will get you a 256 gigabyte SSD. Okay, so that's that's a fairly small upgrade price. So for, yeah, for the, the return, that's a pretty easy getting, sell. Yeah, for anyone who knows what they're buying uh, and can configure it themselves. The problem is, like I said, the big box stores like Best Buy, they only have like the base model configurations in store that you can't configure them or buy whatever the salesperson recommends if they, if they were inclined to, to even inform you that the drive is no good. Um, so I don't know. There's the exact kind of people that you'd want to bring into your brand. The people who don't know anything about IMAX and just coming to buy one for the first time are the same people you're hurting by still having this as an option. Um, if they didn't stock that to, to retailers and to their Apple store and just kind of had it on the, on the side as an option that people who knew what they were buying, knew what they were getting into could purchase. That uh, could excuse them to to some degree. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about just on buying iMac, just on price alone, they do still offer the non-retina iMac. <laughs> do they really? Which, yeah, which is a, a terrible value offer. Uh, it still comes in at over a thousand dollars. It's like eleven hundred dollars, and it's got yeah the same one terabyte 5600 rpm drive and old graphics and an old processor uh and the severely subpar display compared to everything else uh and you're only saving 200 bucks getting that over the base model 4k so i think they just have this in the lineup to say they have a computer an imac coming in closer to a thousand dollars yeah, that, that's what we can hope on. People see the price and start considering buying an iMac and then people spending, you know, over $1,000 do a bit of research and realize that yeah. they spend a little bit more, they can get something better. <laughs> At least if yeah. they get this iMac, they can uh, be fairly reassured that it's going to last a long time. I mean, my parents are still running an iMac from 2008 and it's still going strong with a few minor upgrades. Oh, so, really? Yeah, these computers, they, they certainly, you know, they chug along. Even if they are dead slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's still be the Core 2 Duo. Uh, 2008 was the year they went from uh, having the slight metal bezel around to having just the edge-to-edge glass. Uh, do they do they have that upgraded model, or do they have the one with kind of the metal around the glass? Uh, they must have the, the early 2008, because it's, yeah, it's got that silver strip of metal around the screen itself. Yeah. I have fond memories of that computer. That was... One of the first iMacs I spent a lot of time with and not just oh, yeah? okay. at school. <laughs> I bet yours didn't have like a two terabyte fusion drive and 12 gigs of RAM though. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think it was like a four gigabytes of RAM and whatever, I don't even know, 512 gigabyte hard drive it came with. So. Uh-huh, yep. Uh, we should probably push on to um, the airports, which got updated. We haven't even made the event yet, which is terrible. Oh, man. <laughs> There's just so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, so AirPods got a small update. Um, mm-hmm. They now come with H1 instead of the W1. So the original ones had the wireless one chip, and now it's the um, headphone one chip. I was initially uh, a little bit confused why they changed the branding on it, but when I thought about where the W series chips are now, it starts to make more sense. 
the W2 and 3 also handles like Wi-Fi and cellular connectivity, which is nothing they need in the AirPods. Right. So it makes sense to make a new wireless chip that's just for Bluetooth connectivity. And the other differentiator, I think, is that the H1 now listens for the Yo Siri command, which doesn't really make sense in the other W products, does it? Because, I mean, yeah, it doesn't need... <laughs> To have uh, like a like a super battery conserving mode of Yo Siri, <laughs> like a pair of AirPods. Sure, I mean they've got the W three and the Apple Watch, which also listens, but the listening isn't done by the W chip; it's done by the S three or four chip, whatever right. one now. Right. So, yeah, this makes sense to have a new chip. So it was just it's kind of surprising initially when they announced it. I think it's actually incredible that this chip can with no hit to battery life listen to the for the siri command all the time that's just not uh, only that but a 50 percent longer talk time as well yeah so i'm guessing that this i mean considering that the listening time for just music and whatnot hasn't changed mm-hmm. i'm guessing that this is this chip is like 99 percent focused on microphone performance mm-hmm. and that's why phone talk time is so much so drastically improved alongside listening for the siri command uh yeah i think a lot of this i mean i'm sure there's some credit goes to the chip a lot of it is also their upgrade to the bluetooth 5.0 standard uh which is more efficient uh and i think the reason that talk time is more efficient but everything else is uh the same is specifically because of listening for that command uh so the microphones are on at all times uh so while you're talking, they already would have been on. So the new, more efficient process, you'll see the benefit there. But otherwise, your music playback's not going to see the benefit of the more efficient Bluetooth because they're also now listening at all times. So you can also buy the wireless case separately or with the AirPods as well if you go and purchase them from new again. I'm 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 very disappointed about this. <laughs> I <laughs> really? I bought I bought the new AirPods. And they were supposed to be delivered today, and mm-hmm. no one was home. And for some reason, on a, just a two hundred dollar purchase, UPS decided that eh, we're just going to keep this and try to deliver tomorrow <laughs> instead of just leaving it on my doorstep. Uh-huh. <laughs> They'll leave much more valuable packages on my doorstep, but these AirPods, they couldn't. They couldn't do it. So now I have to wait another day to get them. <laughs> Hopefully, you forget the wait in no time at all. Well, I'm still like. Even receiving them is going to be a little sore because I bought these right at launch, fully expecting that this meant air power is coming. And now that we're to the point we are a week later and still no mention of air power, I mean, I could charge these wirelessly, but I've never, ever felt the need to do that with my current AirPods. That's never been an inconvenience to plug them in. Uh, The only reason I got these wireless ones was specifically because I was excited to use them with air power, and now we still have yet to see it. It's got to be just around the corner, though. It's got to be. <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> How long have we been saying that? <laughs> <laughs> Since this show started, we've been saying that. <laughs> <laughs> True, this show started after air power had been announced. <laughs> You've got cheat charges around the house. You can just put them on that for now, can't you? Yeah, and... Even even without wireless charging, my AirPods are getting a little old and the batteries are degrading. So it'll be nice to have new ones anyway. That's probably the main reason I'm considering getting some. I mean, 
currently I'm not even using the AirPods to talk to you right now. I'm using a wired headset because the AirPods wouldn't last the duration of this podcast. Um, right. Even with the microphone not activated, which I've accidentally done before. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be the number one reason for me to buy new AirPods, but I'm still considering it. Um, would I buy the wireless case? Um, that's also up for debate. I don't have any Qi chargers around the house at the moment. Um, adding a Qi if charger. Air power, if Air Power came out tomorrow, would you get it? <laughs> Depends on the cost. <laughs> the number of things <laughs> that I need to charge my uh, my Apple gear at the moment is a little more than I am happy with. I mean, I've got a new iPad Pro with USB-C charging. I've got uh, an iPhone without Qi charging. My wife's got an iPhone with Qi charging. And then I've got AirPods with Lightning. Um Oh man. So so adding air power isn't really going to save me anything because I still have a phone that doesn't have wireless charging. And you've got no Apple Watch at the moment? And no Apple Watch at the moment. Yeah, so it's it's really not targeted towards you. Although I've I've got the itch for an Apple Watch again, but that's another topic. Oh yeah. Not for today. The Series 4 is really good. That's yeah. I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Although we're so close to Series 5 now. I'm always this is a bad time of year for me cuz Everything sounds appealing, but I would hate to jump onto a product right now when anyone's about to come out. And I'm the opposite. Now is like prime time for me to buy stuff. Like the the hype is over, and really, what people really think about devices is is easily accessible. Um, people are like selling them on the secondhand market for a good price, and we're still yeah. early in the year. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're pretty close to September, but I always consider the event like end of the year, and March is still the start of the year. So. Right. We've got a whole year between before the new things are announced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sucker for hype, so. <laughs> um, so yeah, air power is not going to simplify anything for me, which is right. kind of why I'm hesitating. But uh, and the price probably because I'm I'm dreading that 199 price that it's probably going to be. We'll see. <laughs> Fingers crossed for closer to 150. Maybe they have like a wear sorry price, and it's like 99 dollars. I don't. know. Oh, they're going to launch it, and it's going to be US only, so you don't have to worry anyway. Ah, all right. We should definitely get to the <laughs> keynote and uh, all the things that are only that are US only. <laughs> <Not too. laughs> all right. All right, moving on. At around uh, pure recording time, we're at 50 minutes already. <laughs> so the keynote was um, Monday, mm-hmm. Tuesday morning my time, 1 a.m. Didn't get up for it. But uh, actually woke up naturally <laughs> at 3 a.m. It. it must have yeah. been like the hype for the event. Just uh, it got me going at 3 a.m. So jumped up, whipped out the iPad and started watching. The benefit of watching uh, on delay is you can see exactly how long the event's going for. Oh, yeah. And when they started talking about um, the TV product at, at like <laughs> one hour into a two hour show, I was like, oh, wow, there's definitely going to be air power at the end of this. <laughs> Because <laughs> they can't talk about a TV service for an entire hour. <laughs> but they did. Uh, they showed you. Yeah, they sure showed me. <laughs> <laughs> How do you want to do this? We'll just go through Apple News, credit yeah, card, start with Apple News. TV. Okay. Uh, Apple News Plus is the only thing they announced on Monday that is already in consumer hands. Have I guess, is it available to you or is it only over here? Um, I noted down it's coming to Australia in spring, so I'm guessing I wrote okay. it for my spring and your fall. 
Okay. Uh, man, is that really what they mean when they say spring? They mean your spring and not our spring? No, no. I would have just noted down what it meant to me when they said it. They would have said ah. Australian uh, okay. fall. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I've I've played with it a bit. Uh, three hundred magazines and newspapers for ten dollars a month is basically Wasn't it three thousand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what man. a what a blunder to start it. <laughs> Wait, it like instantly just take all the air out of it. <laughs> it was exactly like that, man. Yeah. Poor guy. Uh, I feel. <laughs> uh, I was skeptical uh, going in. I've never been a big magazine reader. There's maybe one or two magazines that I've ever subscribed to and read, uh, and I couldn't care less about newspapers. I mean, even though they're big newspapers, newspapers that aren't local to me, I'm not too interested in reading unless they're big headlines. Um, so the whole product didn't sound that interesting to me, but I did try out the free trial to get into it and found immediately the the magazines that I do read are on there and the value offer immediately was there for me because for $10 a month, it's matching the price I'm already paying for magazine subscriptions and I get access to everything else. And my girlfriend gets access to a whole bunch of craft magazines that she's way more excited about than I am. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, so I think it's actually a pretty, pretty good product. I'm, I'm more than okay with news plus. So as far as reading magazines goes, like physical magazines, so I'm, I'm the kind of person who probably buys a physical magazine once every two years. Mm-hmm. Um, when Apple newsstand was first announced and, you know, this, this event was kind of deja vu at this point. Um, but <laughs> I, like a lot of Apple products and services, I, tried to get into it when it was first announced you know i want to get a taste for what they're doing and what things are Mm -hmm. like but that phase really didn't last very long i mean i think i subscribed to a couple of things it was always a little bit janky back then as well i mean when was newsstand like 2011 or something like that yeah 2011 was when it was announced yeah okay um so i I don't think i resubscribed to anything and it wasn't that nice an experience. I mean, we even had things like animated covers back then as well. Or I, I might also be confusing this with Zinio or Zinio, um, also a magazine subscription service, um, which I got into a little bit back then. I'm not sure if that was even pre or post newsstand. <laughs> um, but anyway, so when this was announced, I was immediately not that excited. Uh, and then when I saw the price, I was even less excited. I mean, there's literally nothing in there that I would read, so sure. I much prefer to read and to, to pick and choose like individual articles from different news sources. Uh, a lot of what's in magazines is online in one form or, or another. Um, yeah, the only thing that is tempting to me is that when you're reading a magazine, at least physically, you do tend to read longer form articles and to get maybe a little bit more invested into the reading experience instead of just, you know, flicking through 100 headlines in, in 15 minutes and <laughs> not really having a better idea of anything at the end of it. Right. Uh, uh, that's the only thing that uh, might entice me in. So when it is launched, I'm certainly going to pick up the trial, but I would be surprised with myself if I ended up paying what will probably end up being about $17 Australian a month for, for some magazines. But there's also the yeah. wife factor, so <laughs> we'll see what she says once she's read a few. Uh, yeah, uh, I was surprised by it. I'd encourage you and 
and anyone else who hasn't tried it yet to at least take advantage of the free trial offer because I went in fully expecting not to renew my subscription and then was pleasantly surprised by the offerings. So maybe you'll be as well. Um, On the technical aspect of it, so I was wondering if... Did they say or didn't they say that... um, that these aren't going to be just PDFs. Now, I'm, I'm just looking at my notes. I'm not sure if I wrote this down or not, but I mean, it was pretty clear that what they presented on stage, you know, wasn't just a, a straight PDF because there was all the, um, you know, the nice flowing layout and um, mm-hmm. it would uh, adapt to the screen you were on. But uh, but previous rumors, um, I think maybe Guy Rambo had reported that there was like PDF um, kind of frameworks for for magazines in in the betas like 12.2 um and then once people actually started using the service it turns out roughly half of the magazines available are actually just pdfs so we're only looking at around 50 percent of the 300 uh, in this um i can't remember what they called the format but like a nice dynamic format yeah, they sure sold it as every magazine was going to be perfectly styled for your device. Uh, they didn't mention once that some of these were going to just be PDFs that you're going to be reading on your phone, uh, which was a little disappointing to find out, but also uh, understandable. Some of these smaller publishers, and even the big ones, can't be bothered to format every article. Um, I just hope the ones that are continue to do so, and they don't get tired of it and find no value in doing it. And maybe some some ones who haven't adopted the whatever the form factor is called yet will jump on, but I, I don't think we're ever going to see a point where all of the magazines, especially the ones from smaller publishers, get to that point where they have the money and resources to style every article uh, to be dynamically scaled to different screen sizes like that. Uh, I just want to say that live covers will never stop being cool as well. It feels so Harry Potter. <laughs> those are pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how long those will last, though, before people stop bothering with that gimmick as well. Yeah, yeah. I guess it really depends on how successful this is. Well, they had them in 2011. I, I, I can't comment if they continued from then. But yeah. they're always, like, such high-quality videos. They look great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I forgot there was a small cringe, at least for me, before the whole 3,300 little stuff up. It was... um. When uh, Tim Cook first came on stage, and and he did something which was kind of drilled into me in high school as like something you never do, and that was to define a word as like the opening oh, of an essay. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I mean, I didn't see anyone else talk about it afterwards. So I thought, oh, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just my high school which kind of hated that. But um, <laughs> I was watching a video from The Verge from um, from Dieter Bone as well, and he he said the exact same thing, like. This is just like an absolute faux pas to define a word before you start like a show or a presentation. What is a service? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I thought I thought the exact same thing when it happened on stage. Uh the only saving grace was that he he uh played it off played it off well. He uh, delivered it well, I guess, not put it off well. Even though it's mm-hmm. kind of a faux pas and cringy to do, he did it well enough. So um, so next up on the lineup was Apple Pay, Apple Credit Card. I mean, you're going to have to talk about this. This is never, ever coming to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, over to you. You're going to see this. <laughs> Apple Card is interesting. 
uh, man, I've, I've seen some people really excited about Apple potentially changing up the credit card game, which I don't think they're going to do. Their rewards are okay. <laughs> the fact you get cash back daily is cool. Um, the no fees thing, a lot of people offer that. They don't offer things like, or at least they haven't explicitly said they're going to offer things like extended warranties that a lot of credit cards offer. Uh, the APR is a wide range from 13.24% to 24.24%, um, which is below our national average, but still very high. And it's extremely high, isn't it? It's kind of it, ridiculous yeah, that, which is uh, way, that rates are this high. The way they would sell that is we have super low APR, and then like, yeah, we're going to undercut the national average by a couple percent, unless your credit's yeah. really bad, and then we're still going to gouge you. But Yeah, that's right. These are the people that don't <laughs> need to be gouged. People with bad credit. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I've and then on the flip side, I've seen a lot of people like, <laughs> there's a, a tech journalist, his name is Benj Edwards. He writes uh, mostly about uh, vintage Macs and older computers. I followed him for quite a while, and uh, he had a very uh, damning tweet after the keynote. Like this, this credit card is the like the final straw that marks the break from the the old Apple I knew, and this is Apple like helping people spend money they don't have to buy more of their products, and this is the farthest thing from the genuine good-hearted Apple that I knew thirty years ago. Um, yeah, this is a whole topic on itself by itself, isn't it? It's, Apple is the, on one hand is the, Apple the hardware company with you know that makes software, and then we've got Apple the services company. And right, you know, one is very likable most of the time, and one seems to just be going down this route of gouging people for money or <laughs> not <laughs> offering compelling services. Um, uh, um, yeah, not likable is is certainly <laughs> the way I would put it after watching this keynote. Uh, I I do appreciate their uh, built into the wallet app kind of a way for you to visualize your spending uh, and manage uh, your payments to avoid uh, as much interest as possible. That's nice. A lot of companies do that, but it's nice to have all of that. There's, I mean, there's apps for that and companies do that, but it's nice to have it all built into iOS. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah, companies do that. But it's it, it's typically in the form, in my experience, in a PDF that gets emailed to you. That's <laughs> and true. And then they might show you something. So it, it's not readily uh, visible. I mean, at a glance, at any time in the month, you get like a preview once a month of uh, your financial situation. Yeah, this, this card seems to be... A compelling enough offer for for younger people who maybe don't have a credit card, uh, but for anyone older who has a credit card or two and has decent credit and not just blowing all their money, uh, they probably already have these these rewards are better and probably don't need the hand holding as much with a credit card. So I could see where it wouldn't be a compelling offer for people to switch over, uh, but could be. I mean, ridiculously easy sign up for a credit card on your iPhone. Like, that's a scary thing <laughs> to, to give <laughs> to young adults. Uh, um, but used wisely could be a good tool. Uh, 
I may or may not get one just because it's kind of just for the titanium card. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people are looking forward to having that card. Yeah. Uh, And final note, it's really weird to spend an entire keynote parading about how you are uh, like this leading force in privacy and then to say we're partnering with Goldman Sachs on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Hopefully they just are pulling Goldman Sachs and Mastercard into into line with at least some, not quite their level, but some higher privacy standards than might otherwise be offered with a credit card from from anyone else. Yeah. And honestly, the, le- the less involvement they have, the better. Like, use them as the issuing bank, and then after that, it's 100% Apple handling everything. Mm-hmm. Goldman Sachs didn't see anything. That would be that would be great. Their keynote made it sound a little weird, because they specifically said, we're not going to do anything with your data, or no, we're not going to track it or anything, and Goldman Sachs promises not to sell it, which means they're going <laughs> yeah. to they're gonna have your data. <laughs> they're not going to sell it to a third party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they literally have to have it to know how much to charge you and and sure charging you (laughs) so it's just the way they phrased those two things yeah i guess it could have been worded a little stronger yeah (laughs) um one other differentiating factor that i really noted down was no fees or penalties um so the fees part is is nice i mean comparing to local credit cards if you have a credit card without fees, then you have no rewards. Or if you have a credit card with rewards, then you have fees. That's just kind of how it works. So no fees is good. Oh, interesting. Um, but penalties, I think, is is going to save a lot of people because often you get into real trouble with penalties. Like you miss a payment mm-hmm. and then suddenly like your interest-free period is like it's cut to zero days and suddenly you're paying like interest on everything on the card. Um you're not getting rewards anymore. Like penalties can be a real trap, especially if you don't read the fine print or you know, this is your first credit card. You're not really sure how it works. Um, but same, well, missing like the minimum payment can lead to to real problems, like compounding problems. Well, you you mentioned reading the small print. I'm I'm scrolling down to the bottom of the Apple Card page on their website right now, and there's a, a whole bunch of asterisks at the bottom, and one of them specifically says. Late or missed payments will result in additional interest accumulating towards your balance. Are you serious? Uh, That's a penalty. Yeah. How does that fit in with no penalties? Uh, yeah. So I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure what your additional interest is. Like it's just like, hey, your interest is going to be higher because you didn't pay this off. So there's more balance for interest to be charged against. Or I, I don't know, but that's all it says. So yeah, I'll give them the benefit of doubt of that on that one. But yeah. but it may if it means that you're um, interest-free period like because you normally have like a month and a half on purchases right. if it goes down to zero days and that's exactly what I was, I was talking about you know like that can suddenly mean your next payment is so much higher than it was and yeah, anyway <laughs> I'll have to do some more research on that once people have yeah. it in their hands so yeah something like this managing people's finances and and tempting people with money they don't have uh I don't know. This could. This could. This is like a major fork in the road for Apple. We could see them really do something good with this, or we could see them use it just as a way to make more money. And I think this will be really telling in the next few years to see how that's handled. Apple Arcade. 
that certainly caught my interest. Of all the yeah. services they announced, Apple Arcade was one I was most interested in by by a leap and a bound. It's also the one they said the least about. Yes. Apple Arcade <laughs> is an enigma at the moment. <laughs> Alright, so so correct me if I'm wrong on any of these points, but okay. one hundred games are coming. These games are not games that are currently in the app store. These are just games that current don't currently exist. Like people are working on them. Some pretty big names too are working on these games. Right. So 100 unknown games are coming. They're going to be in a new tab in the App Store called Arcade. Mm-hmm. I don't really like that name, by the way, Arcade. It, it kind of connotes a uh, like a, a simple game that you, you don't really get into, like something you might just hop in and hop out of, like not a deep game, but anyway. Um, okay. There's no price currently for it. We have no idea what it's going to cost. Right. These games are going to be on all your devices. So that's iOS, tvOS, and macOS. That's the big selling point for me right there. That is crazy. That's that's intense. That This could yeah. be like the rebirth of Mac gaming. Um, so the, anyway, I'll just continue. So offline, they have to be playable offline. There's no in-app purchases. Mm-hmm. And no ads. no ads. I think that's it. That is That's pretty compelling. But at the same time, Nothing you currently play and nothing on the App Store is going to be in there. Right. It's all going to be new games. And they were kind of vague with their 100-plus games. Is that 100 launch titles that's going to be expanded upon? Or these 100 games are going to be in development for the next two years? They're going to be slowly added? So you're going to be paying for your arcade subscription with, like, 20 games at first, and you're going to see more over time? None of that was very clear. Uh, But I really... iOS is saturated with games. So it doesn't mean much for me there, but the fact that this works cross-platform is huge. As like you said, this could be maybe a rebirth for macOS games, but also maybe seeing the Apple TV turn into more of a console experience and have some really high-quality games that are designed to be great on those big screens. Yeah, so this, like you said, it's the thing they said the least about, but if this works, if this really takes off... It could end up mm-hmm. being the most, uh, maybe one of the biggest things out of this keynote. Definitely. Now, if the games are coming to macOS, what? Well, no, they're definitely coming to macOS. Um, do you think that mean? And they're coming later this year. Do you think they're going to be based on Marzipan? I mean, there's no way they can't be, right? Yeah, I think that's what the holdup is. That's well, that and waiting for the games to be finished development, but. Yeah, we're seeing Apple Arcade this fall because we're going to see the opening up of Marzipan at WWDC. And so we're going to really start seeing the effects of that with Apple Arcade. Exciting times. Um, And yeah, I'm not really sure if these 100 games are going to be new titles, like you questioned, but right, that would be, that'd be quite, a, quite a launch, 100 brand new games. <laughs> yeah. So what... If you had to take a guess, what do you think the subscription price for Apple Arcade is going to be? I'm I'm going to just take a safe bet and say it's $9.99 US dollars per month. See, that seems like a safe spot for me as well. I think $10 you could easily get people into the into the experience. Uh, I worry about how feasible something like that would be at that price point and that they might go for something a little higher 
1999 you're starting to lose a lot of people though at that price point so i'm wondering if with some of these services they specifically didn't mention a fee to kind of feel the market and see where people would be comfortable paying uh, for those kind of experiences and something that was completely absent i mean probably as a result of not announcing fees is that there's no mention of any sort of like uh bundle price like could you apple music apple arcade for the low low price of x and y <laughs> man i would sure hope they do something like that because i'm talking yeah. about having four or five different subscriptions just to apple between icloud and apple music and news right and right yeah you add what and, was yeah. announced in the keynote and suddenly you're paying for like six monthly fees to apple yeah that's not going to fly for most people unless oh yeah, unless they're just extremely compelling but <laughs> i mean even even if there's not a significant like bundle discount just let me bundle all my purchases into one charge so i'm not getting a charge every week for something no <laughs> okay <laughs> if that's what it'll take you're an easy <laughs> sell huh I, I, I fully don't expect Apple to offer discounts if you want multiple of their services. Um, really? But, I'd but be even, shocked even if they as didn't. it is. Really? Absolutely. I, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> even, even as it is, I feel like I get at least one charge a week from Apple between iCloud, because I have a shared family thing, so between iCloud upgrade for me and iCloud upgrade for my girlfriend and, and Apple Music char- charging me, and then occasional movie rental or game purchase, whatever, I just, mm-hmm. I'm just i always getting invoices from Apple, so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, anything else to say on Apple Arcade before we move on to the piece de la <laughs> uh, resistance? <laughs> uh, no, I don't say? believe so. Alright, so this was easily the worst part of the keynote and like i said <laughs> i could see exactly how much longer the keynote was going to run for and i, I couldn't believe that this segment was going to fill out an entire hour or more was it yeah it was an hour so what do they call it tv plus yeah apple tv plus apple tv plus god <laughs> i like this is a uh, kind of a separate thing they've taken the plus moniker from their hardware and now they're using it for services mm-hmm uh, is anyone so, else doing that? Is it PlayStation Plus that does that already? Uh, potentially. I'm not really familiar with PlayStation <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so the first part of the announcement is that the TV app is going to be a little bit more integrated with some channels. So say uh, currently when you want to watch something from HBO, it bounces you out to HBO, apparently. I mean, we don't even have HBO in Australia. Um, but I can oh, yeah. I can speak from other services that we do have here that you want to play something you know you don't play it in the TV app it just sends you off to whatever the, the third party is and then you watch it there and the experience is okay I mean mm-hmm. I, I always laugh that on the first launch of the TV app it says like it's got a little tagline all your TV all in one place or something to that effect. And then as soon as you try and play right. something, it like sends you away from the TV app. <laughs> always find right. it completely ridiculous. <laughs> um, but now when you go to play something, probably depending on what you're going to watch, there's a chance it's just going to be playing right in the app. Right. 
this was a big disappointment for me <laughs> personally. Uh, not trying to uh, put the card ahead of the horse here, but with Apple TV Plus being a hundred percent original content, I was I was positive that that these channel partnerships were going to be part of the package and not just a hey you can subscribe to them and watch them in our app, but they're not part of the bundle. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So I think that makes Apple TV Plus a much harder sell to be 100% original content and not anything people are already looking to see. Right. It, you know, it doesn't cover anything that you're already watching. Right. So so that was the next part of the announcement, Apple TV Plus original content. So we had this like, uh, living slideshow of celebrities come up on stage <laughs> <laughs> to basically talk about the TV shows that they made. And admittedly, it was kind of cool to see some big names up on the stage and yeah you know some of them presented well some kind of blundered through their presentation a little bit <laughs> um, that was cool but also it was nothing about the service itself it was purely about the content and then you think oh, all right we'd spent 45 minutes with celebrities that's what four or five tv shows is that what apple tv plus is i guess so how are you going to convince anyone to spend any money on that? I mean, right. don't they already have original content TV shows like Carpool Karaoke and Planet of the Apps and no one's watching that? So Yeah, those are major flops. <laughs> how, are you, how are you going to get people... Did you even have to pay to watch that? I think no, Apple those Music are free subscribers Apple Music. Yeah. got it, right? And yeah. still no one watched them. So what, are you going to ask for even more money for these shows? The difference is they threw a lot more money at these, James. <laughs> That's all it takes is more money, and they get better. Yeah, sure. All right. They're going to be better. But, I mean, th- there are fans of those other shows as well, like Carpool Karaoke had a bit of a following before Apple made it not cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole line, not just another streaming service, was one of the worst lines of the keynote because it's literally just another streaming service. Yeah, another streaming service with not very much compelling at this point. Did did you sit through the entire uh, parade of celebrities? Yeah, I can say hand on my heart, the only part of the entire keynote I skipped was uh, that woman on the piano. Like I just, <laughs> yes. any time I watch an Apple keynote and there's music and it's I'm watching on delay, I just skip through the music because I can just. Yes. not be bothered watch something like that <laughs> so were there any shows on there that sounded interesting at all to you when um what's it is it jason momoa is that the guy the big guy from aquaman mm-hmm. yeah yep. okay that show uh where all the characters have not had sight for like 500 years yeah that's his show yeah okay yep that sounds incredibly interesting uh, i'm not sure what they're going to do like um how are these actors really going to emulate a community how the how the director's going to write something that the writer's going to write something that uh that suggests that people haven't had sight for like centuries that that's really interesting i'll tell you what'll happen in the show right now okay i already know do that here's the big twist either this is either how the se- the season's going to start or end a child is going to be born with vision and it's going to change everything uh kill me now all right <laughs> Guess I don't have to watch that one. Thanks, David. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I don't know. It just seems like the most obvious 
plot twist that's going to happen. But all right, we'll bookmark this point of the show and come back to it. <laughs> I'll put yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I was surprised to see uh, Steven Spielberg there. He's mm-hmm. been very vocal about being against streaming services and they're not real content. They don't deserve Emmys or whatever. Right until he's on them. Right. <laughs> Uh, his uh, his show pitch sounded interesting, kind of like a Twilight Zone or Black Mirror kind of thing. Uh, so I apparently this is a reboot of a show that he did fifty years ago or something. <laughs> but uh-huh. uh, uh, I'm interested to see that. That one sounded okay to me. Uh, but a lot of these, unfortunately, felt like, and I think this is probably what played into the whole thing feeling so awkward was like. A lot of celebrities were, like, patting themselves on the back during this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, uh, The Morning Show with Steve Carell and uh, Jennifer Anderson and Reese Witherspoon. comment about like, that? Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that sounds like, I like these actors. The show sounds funny. Uh, but then they spent the entire keynote saying, like, we're really going to play into, like, women's issues. And, I mean, social issues are a big deal. But don't pat yourself on the back like about your show. <laughs> when, when Jennifer and... Um... And Reese came on the stage and they first started talking about the show. I was like, oh, this sounds pretty good. It's going to be like uh, the power play between men and women behind the scenes on a morning show. Like, this sounds promising. <laughs> and then Steve Carell's uh, character comes onto the stage and he's just like this blundering idiot stereotype of a like a <laughs> insensitive man. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be awful. <laughs> yeah. So, and the same thing with uh, Kumail Nanjiani. I'm a big fan of his work. I like I like him in pretty much everything he's been in. Uh, the whole take on kind of a series on immigrants was is, it sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what really what really got me about this was like we're not going to focus on the exception. We're going to do the everyday immigrant, starting with a 12 year old kid who ran a hotel for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story, though, isn't it? That's going to be a nice story. It's a true story, but when you start off the presentation saying we're focusing on the everyday struggle of immigrants and the common people and not the exceptions. Mm. Well, here's an exception. It... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, But should we uh, get to the one more thing of the show? Oh, no. <laughs> Do you mean the second coming of Christ? I mean, Oprah? <laughs> <laughs> so the way they built this up, with this big dramatic intro video about we have all of these big voices here and there's just one voice missing. In that moment, I would have would have bet anything that they were going to say, your voice, and here's our YouTube competitor. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking, yeah, yeah you're going to let people upload their own videos to this and we're going to see um, competition for YouTube or Vimeo. Yeah. Oh, man. I can't <laughs> believe like, I wasn't the no. only one thinking that. <laughs> no. Oprah is the missing voice. Of course she is. <laughs> I mean, this this went so far past me that I started thinking maybe it's like a cultural thing. Maybe Oprah is like this massive deal in the US, like way bigger than she would ever be here. Um, but, but no, just like no. from your reaction and other people's reaction to our Americans, it's exactly <laughs> how I felt and how they felt too. I mean, Oprah is, has found a lot of success as a as a daytime talk show host um and gone on to do big things but her name is like 
never heard. Like she's doing things like uh, stay at home moms are interested in like her book club or whatever else. Right. And she's, she's putting money and effort towards social issues, but she's not a big name at all. So for them to play her up so much was insane. It seems she was having this little power trip about being on a million, a billion devices in everyone's pocket as well. Yeah. And this is interesting, just just to see how much they're laying into this Oprah thing. I'm going, I'm, I'm at the Apple TV Plus page on Apple's website right now. And the first thing you see when you go to the page is just the logo. It says introducing Apple TV Plus, blah, blah, blah. And you scroll down and there's a trailer with all the shows kind of mashed up like they played at the keynote. You scroll down one more and there's the meet the creative minds behind the stories. And it's the trailer they had of all the the actors and directors kind of in that black and white where they started the keynote. And then the last thing on this page, you scroll down, it says, she's here, period. It's just a picture of Oprah. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, who, who is this Apple? I mean, is is this the, the Sony executives who joined Apple and they're like, they're, they're shaping Apple services, Apple TV into to their vision, which is just, like, not something that anyone else can get behind? Is it, like, this little separate department of Apple, which happens to be a huge chunk of it, which which thinks and acts like this? I don't, I don't want to say this is definitely happening, but my suspicion is just that Tim Cook is a really big fan of Oprah. <laughs> I mean... Imagine. A- after she spoke, after she spoke, and he came back on stage, he hugged her and cried like he, he likes did. he likes oprah he rubbed a tear from his eye <laughs> i when tim Cook I think he decided, just put his foot down <laughs> when he decided to shape the company into a services company in 2014 and he launched this plan at the the very pinnacle of his flow chart you know his um his little pyramid it was was a picture of oprah's face and, and everything he's done <laughs> up to this point <laughs> is to be able to work with oprah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that rubbing a tear from his eye was a bit much, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know. But he seems to really believe in it, so maybe we're the cynical ones. <laughs> That's fine. I'm okay with being cynical at the, at this point in time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. But too. Apple TV Plus didn't sound very compelling at all. But the least compelling aspect of that was Oprah. So, but I really want to be all connected through Apple. Oh <laughs> uh, man, that was amazing! She just threw her head back, arms wide, and yelled, "All connected through Apple." <laughs> that's that's exactly. I mean, that's the, that's the personality she's known for having. But here's the one redeeming, not redeeming. The one thing I was hoping was going to be the redeeming part of having Oprah on stage. Um, she's famous for making those big announcements or giving things away to the audience. And I secretly hoped that she was the, like, first of all, you can't use one more thing for Oprah. One more thing is like sacred and it's only for big announcements. But anyway, Oprah comes on stage. I was hoping they used one more thing and brought Oprah on stage so she could say, everyone gets air power. Yes, that would have been Look under your seats. There's an air power. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I imagine. I mean, the audience was acting as if she had done something amazing like that for most of the time she was talking anyway. <laughs> yeah. Which which would have been perfect. Um, 
I don't know if you saw Guy's tweet before the keynote, uh, but he said specifically uh, with with how uh, playful Apple's been recently, I wouldn't be surprised if this happened. And he tweeted a picture of Oprah with her arms out. And she's saying, "You get air power, and you get air power." <laughs> and then she actually she actually came on stage during the keynote. I'm like, "Oh, Guy knew wow. something. He knew." <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, it was a truly an event to forget. And um <laughs> Yeah. We'll just have to wait and see. I mean it, it was an event that announced a lot of things and also made uh introduced a lot of questions. And these questions yeah. will be answered over the course of this year by the sound of it. Yeah, by the end of the year, we should be able to see all these services. By the end of the year. By the end of the year, we'll see the start of all these services. And then probably by the end of next year, we'll see really how well they're doing. Maybe even sooner than that, we'll see how well they're doing. Um, yeah. But something like Apple TV, TV Plus rather, um, something like that is going to take a long time to to ramp up into a real competitor. It depends how they do the pricing and things like that, but... Uh, Netflix certainly has nothing to fear with their entire catalog <laughs> competing against five unknown TV shows. I like how they came out the week before the keynote and they like had a statement, we are not part of Apple's new TV offering. That's right, yeah. Offering. If people want to watch Netflix, they can do it in our app. <laughs> yeah. Netflix is way too big to play in Apple's game. That'd help Apple more than them to be mm-hmm. built into the app. All right. Um, but but as it was presented, I would be extremely surprised if anything came of TV Plus. My my secret hope for TV Plus is that Apple TV Plus is Disney's new streaming service, and they're partnering together uh, to stream all the Disney content. That's the other company that has Plus in the name. It's Disney. Disney Plus. Oh, do they? Isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. It's Disney products. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quickly googling it. So, but given how close Apple and Disney have been over the years, if if Disney decided to leverage Apple's platform to push their their uh, uh, IPs, that would be a no question buy. When they have all of Fox now, that just got confirmed today. They just finished up acquiring all of 21st Century Fox. They've got Marvel and they've got all of their content and. Who knows what else? Like a platform with all of that is going to be successful no matter what. Right. So November 2018, Disney announced the service will be named Disney Plus. Oh, okay. Very similar name to TV Plus. Maybe you're onto similar. something. And I think we might have touched on this vaguely in previous shows as well, that um, a partnership here could be massive. Yeah, I mean, it's almost impossible now. If that was going to happen that would have been that would have been the focus of this keynote and not all these other celebrities because uh, that would have been huge so unless it's still in the works and we'll see it by the time this launches i i really doubt that's going to happen we can live in hope that's right well i'm james vdm on reddit and on twitter if you want to get in touch and i'm jelly woot on reddit and twitter that's kind of the theme of the podcast isn't it we can live in hope <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised by News Plus, so fingers crossed for everything else. Yeah. I'll look forward to it later in the year.
Yep. Well, I will. You'll see it eventually. Actually, that's one last thing I want to talk about. Um, TV Plus, they did announce it's coming to over 100 countries, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yes. Uh, so I'm guessing that that's only the original content stuff and I mean, certainly there's no Showtime or HBO here that I'm aware of. And the, right. the annoying thing here is like when I go to the TV app, like on the odd occasion, I think, man, I'm not going to uh, source this... Uh, I, w- I want to pay for this TV show. <laughs> I'll say, put it that way. Mm-hmm. And I go to the TV app and say I'll look up uh, the Big Bang Theory, which I realize has kind of gone down the drain, but I'm going to uh, to watch it through to the end since it's only a few episodes from the end. And I okay. find like the local TV networks here have... They, they've they got the license for the show and because they haven't aired anything for the past six months of this show, then you just can't get that show up to oh. to the current <laughs> episode. It's just a horrible experience. I literally can't pay for the current episode of the Big Bang Theory, even through iTunes, because you know it hasn't aired on the local TV station here. So, can that be resolved just by changing your regions? Well, changing my whole account to a um, to a US based account. Yeah, I guess that's a bit of a hassle. It's got massive implications to to everything else I do. So, <laughs> not happening. Oh, kind of a, a promising revelation today. WatchOS 5.2 has uh, ECG support for Europe. Yeah, so that's right. I mean, coming to you soon. Yeah, yeah, could be. <laughs> that could be cool. Actually, there was something else in the news today that was um, kind of big. Oh, there was a big article in the Wall Street Journal about uh, Apple's keyboard problem. Have you fi- have you read that? I did. I read the whole thing. Okay. It it's was behind uh, a paywall for me, so can you give me a <laughs> the lowdown? Oh, sure. Uh First of all, it was very, very uh, playfully done where they had, uh, I think it was broken E and R key the entire time they typed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a toggle switch to enable and, and re-enable E and R in all the text, but there was also a toggle switch to enable the like the, the doubling up of letters. That's also a common issue with the keyboards. Um, but it's it, it wasn't anything more than we've been saying on the show for the last few months. It's just... Uh, it's ridiculous that Apple is selling these computers still fully knowing that these issues exist, especially given that they don't have a repair program for the third generation butterfly keyboards that is right. also having issues now. The uh, important thing is that it's this massive publication now that's reporting on it instead of, you know, right. Apple blogs. And it wasn't, they weren't only saying like, this is bad and unacceptable. They specifically called out a class action lawsuit and said like, this needs to happen. It needs to get more people on uh, because they are intentionally selling faulty products. Ironically, you can't read this in Apple News (laughs) because of the, uh, the little, um, the technical aspects of it, removing and adding letters. Oh yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, they, I mean... Uh, they said the Apple needs to redesign their keyboard. It, uh, they offered solutions for people with keyboard problems, and it was like, clean out, clean under your keys, or buy an external keyboard. <laughs> I've been through that. It's not a real solution. We're going to have to see some big changes to the Mac lineup this year. Uh, besides what we've seen already with reasonable updates to the iMacs, um, the modular Mac Pro is bound to impress. Fingers crossed we see an ARM and MacBook this year. I think we're going to see it this year next year. And then hopefully a redesign of the MacBook Pros. They just have to. Yeah, they sure do. Well, I look forward to the year of hardware, not so much to the year of services. 
but uh, at least that part of Apple is, uh, <laughs> I want to say, performing. They are kind of performing recently, if you just put the keyboard thing aside for a bit. But uh... Yeah, 